Hi, you're listening to Notes from a Drama Watcher, a podcast about East Asian dramas. It's part recap, part review, and there will definitely be spoilers ahead. Let's go. Welcome to episode 11. This is your host, M. Today, we're going to be talking about the new Taiwanese BL drama, Be Loved in the House. That's episodes one and two. Imperial Coroner, episodes six through 10. And Guardian, episodes 11 through 16. I'm also just going to be saying a, a few words about Hello Me, which is a Korean drama. Right. It does say in my summary, channel summary, right, that I'm going to talk about Korean dramas, which I really haven't done much of besides BL dramas. So just going to talk about a little bit about Hello Me. So starting off with Imperial Coroner, one thing I didn't mention earlier is about Choo Choo's fascination with what she calls Handsome Judge. And this has been kind of a running thread since the first I'm not, I don't remember if she mentioned it in the first episode, but definitely by the second episode, it's a running thread. And she continues with it here. Handsome Judge is a figure from stories Choo Choo has been hearing about since she was young. And as the name suggests, it's a judge who's handsome and he solves crimes. Due to the similarities to Prince Jin Yu, she seems to believe that she is handsome, that he is handsome judge, which of course he can't be because he's around the same age that she is. And all these stories she's hearing about handsome judge are about cases that the person solved which obviously he would have been too young to be solving cases the prince though realizes that whoever told her these stories is the same person who gave her the pendant so he becomes very interested in who this handsome judge might be now as far as the cases go prince jinyu and chuchu realize there's a connection between the three three recent deaths of these high government officials and they go looking for answers As they discuss the case with Jin Yi, they realize that the murderer is likely someone that they have encountered before. Even more shocking, when they go looking for him, they discover there are several scrolls as if someone has been investigating the mystery surrounding Prince Jin Yu's father and spying on his family. Prince Jin Yu goes to tell his mother what he's found and that someone, Chu Chu, has the other half of his father's pendant. She doesn't really want him involved, feeling that there's something suspicious around her husband's death. And it's also just suspicious to her that all of this is going on. And then suddenly this person, this coroner appears who's got a pendant. Like, where did she, where is this person appearing from? Again, she's just, there's a lot of suspicion around her husband's death because it occurred during a time of conflicts between the eunuchs and the ministers. And this is where Jinyu reveals his suspicions that his father may be alive. His mom looks shocked, but also not shocked in the sense that they have a flashback and you see actually what is buried is clothing of his father's. They, they did not find his father's body. We're also introduced to the character Lung Wei, who's another childhood friend of the prince. And it appears she's going to be the love interest for Jing Yi, who has a massive crush on her. His dad, though, does not seem to approve. So he doesn't let on to Jing Yi that he's not approving. It's pretty much an open open secret in the family about what Jing Yi's feelings for Lung Wei are. Jing Yi's dad is pushing Jing Yi's mom, who's got the ear of the princess, Jing Yi's mother, that there should be a marriage between Lung Wei and Prince Jin Yu. That way that's taken care of and his son 
Jing Yi won't have this crush on her because she'll be a married woman then. I don't think that's going to happen because this is this apparently is our second couple in the series. The prince in the meanwhile seeks and gains the emperor's approval to travel to the southwest to investigate his father's disappearance. And at first I wasn't sh- so sure about the emperor because he's just the way he was. Like there's a whole scene in I think it's episode 8 where there's a whole tea making ceremony. Prince Jinyu does amazing tea, but his method of doing it is not up to the emperor's standards and he just gets very upset about it. So I wasn't quite sure if, if he even likes Prince Jinyu, but he does listen to him. He listens to the prince's report about the murders the murders that he's investigating and the connection to the discovery of counterfeit money. I really love that so far every character here shows a keen intelligence because while the emperor's listening to what Prince Jinyu is saying, he's also drawing his own conclusions based on the evidence that Prince Jinyu is presenting to him. While all this is going on, while he's hearing Prince Jinyu's report, one of the head eunuch's lackeys is outside of the door listening in, waiting to report to the head eunuch later what he has heard. In episode 10, we get to meet Chu Chu's family because the prince, Prince Jinyu, Jingyi, Lungyu, and Chu Chu have traveled to the southwest for Prince Jinyu to investigate his father's disappearance now that he has the, the permission of the emperor. Along the way, they also meet Prince Jinyu's brother, who is a general, and he begin, begins traveling with them. When they go to meet Chu Chu's family, the prince takes the opportunity to learn more about the man who told Chu Chu about Handsome Judge. And that's episodes 6 through 10, kind of in a nutshell. Again, everyone is showing intelligence, analytical skills. It continues here. We get to see the fighting skills of Long Yuei, who herself is the daughter of a general. That's our new second female lead. There's also an interesting change in the opening sequence for the show. In the first few episodes of the series, we opened right into the story and it just it just dives into the story and that's it with a voiceover. Now we've got a musical opening. So there's a little bit of a flashback in the beginning and then we get to a musical opening. And I really can't decide which I like better. I I am one of those people, once I've heard the OST like a time or two, I then just start skipping past it every time I watch a show. So on the one hand, I like that they just dove right into the story in the first few episodes. But on the other hand, I actually do like this opening. I like the visuals of this opening. It's composed of several close-ups of everyday objects. Like you see the top, um, the handle of a kettle, tea kettle, and things like that. And, and also some of the, the objects that they might use in their detecting work. The song is also very interesting. It begins very quietly and it swells as the opening progresses to a more majestic sound, befitting a drama dealing with the royal family. And then the visuals as well kind of pull back so that you see what the objects were that they were showing rather than just the, the close-ups of areas of the objects. So it's an interesting it's an interesting opening. I, I like both ways. Probably I like jumping into the story a little more, <laughs> but... Um, Either way is fine with me. The next show that I watched was Be Loved In-House I Do. And it took me a while to see what the exact title was because I kept seeing it as Be Loved, one word, 
but now it's it's actually two words be loved in-house this is a taiwanese bl drama i watched it on vicky apparently it's also on WeTV, but when i try to view it, it it just doesn't come up for some reason so i caught it on vicky there are two episodes there so it's like they're releasing two episodes at a time and there will be a total of 12 episodes the story is that there's a studio a craft studio and a craft slash metal works studio in financial trouble and a new director has taken over named yu Zhen jin the first thing he does when he comes in is post a rule on the board that employees may not be in a relationship the translation was a little unclear and i couldn't tell if this was a vicky thing or if it's just something with the phrasing i, I couldn't tell but it almost made it seem like they couldn't be in any relationships at all <laughs> but i'm thinking that it, it just meant relationships among employees he immediately clashes with our other male lead she lay well he clashes with everyone because you know what kind of strange rule is that and actually well only strange in the sense of no relationship whatsoever because there's also this kind of rule in the states about fraternization letting hr know if, if there's a relationship etc but again the way it was phrased there almost seemed like just no relationship at all and there was no discussion about anything so and actually when he walked in he walked in on in the middle of what was about to be a marriage proposal so he already knows that he's destroying a relationship right there so anyway the house where she lay and so there's let me backtrack there's another character named si chui who is our second male lead for our second couple si chui and she lay live together at the beginning of the episode however when yu Zhen jin comes in it turns out that that house is also owned by the company, belongs to the company. So Yu Zhen Jin comes in and kicks out Si Chui so that he can live there. I know they're trying to make his character very like overbearing so that he may seem to have a change of heart later or whatever it is, but you have to be a real jerk to kick someone out the way he did. He kicked him out with no notice whatsoever, with his things, with his luggage. She, she Lei comes home as Chi Chi is standing outside with his luggage and that's when Yu Zhen Jin is like, oh, I can try to do a housing allowance or figure something out. But you couldn't figure this out before. You kick the guy on the street. And basically when you get caught is when you're saying you're going to figure something out for him. And then he doesn't actually figure anything out. She, she just drives off, says that he, he has a friend he's going to stay with, which is not true. And winds up hanging out in a park, basically homeless now with all his things. And this does allow for the setup of our second male couple because Zhao Gang, who is the cafe owner that all of the employees, they, they tend to hang out in this particular cafe. He happens upon Si Chi in the park with all his luggage and he takes them home with him to live with him because he feels bad for him. So that's our, our second male couple. So I understand why they were trying to do that setup, but but really they're making, they're making Yu Zhen Jin like seem really bad here. So in episode two, we see Zhao Gong, the cafe owner, and we can tell that he knew, he knew Zhen Jin from before. And he knows that something has happened to change his personality. He tells him you've changed. And I kind of got that feeling because in episode one, the employees were complaining about him. And 
Xiao Gong looked a little surprised about their complaint. So you can tell maybe as far as he knew, he wasn't a bad guy. So anyway, he they meet up because Zhen Jin happens to pass by his cafe, or I'm not sure, maybe he went there on purpose. And they talk to each other for a little bit. So also the employees agree that they're trying to figure Zhen Jin out, right? So they agree that they're going to investigate slash spy on him to see what the deal is with his no relationship rule. And of course, the best person to do this, everyone figures, is Shile, who actually lives with him. And thus, shenanigans ensue. <laughs> it's just Shile following him around, trying to see what he's up to, why is he always wearing gloves, just trying to figure him out. Now, previous to this, to seeing this, I had seen a summary about the show where they describe Shile as an arrogant long-term employee. But I'm not sure where the arrogance comes in because honestly, I don't see his reaction being particularly out of line here with the way Yu Zhen Jin has come barreling into the company with no apparent regard for anyone. The cinematography looks good here. There are several places for filming, which is nice. There's the, the studio set. They film in the park. There's the cafe and their home. The acting is okay so far, particularly the actor who plays Si Chu. Chui, sorry. Um, he, this is an adorably sweet character and he's doing well fit. Our, the Zhao Gong, the cafe owner, also seems really sweet. So I think I'm going to like the second couple. I mean, we're only two episodes in, but I think I'm going to like them. We do see a little bit of humanity from Yu Zhenqin because at one point, Shile gets a cut when, they're, when he's in the house making something. And Yu Zhen Jin does help him. We see a little bit of humanity from him, but they're, they're really stretching it. They're really making him be very overbearing in the beginning. But we'll see from here where it goes. We'll see what their explanation is for why he is the way he is. And we'll see how he, how he changes. I think it's off to a good start. Um, it's a little silly kind of a storyline. <laughs> With Shile like following him around and stuff. It's a little silly. And there are these women in the, cafe, in the cafe who are hearing all their plotting. And they're all getting involved. Like being very much in their business. It's, so it's pretty silly so far. There's not a lot of angst going on. But we'll see what happens in later episodes. I mean obviously it was something big that must have happened to Yu Zhenjin for him to become the way that he is. Now on to episodes 11 through 15 of Guardian. So the mystery behind Wang Zhen, who is that the, the spiritual amnesiac who is working for a special investigations unit, it's finally being resolved and they try to free her and her lover who has been trapped for years. As we saw in the last episode, Black Cloak Envoy is for the first time exhibiting some weakness in his fighting and it takes Chief Chief Zhao to turn the fight. When Chief Zhao returns to the inn, he finds Professor Shen Wei presumably having been there the whole time, which we know is not true. And later in the episode, members are downing drinks together, except for Shen Wei, who finally has one drink and guess what? He is a total lightweight. He only drinks because Chief Zhao is being not forced, but like encouraged to drink and drink and drink. And I think uh, Shen Wei is like feeling bad for him. He knows he's he's had the gastritis in the past. So he takes the, the, a drink for him. 
and winds up passing out and he's taken upstairs into the inn. Chief Zhao puts him to bed, but when he goes to cover him with his jacket, he realizes that he recognizes a scent that is on the jacket. And it's the scent of some of the monsters that they were fighting earlier together. Well, he, Chief Zhao and Black Cloak Envoy were fighting earlier. He's realizing or starting to realize that Shen Wei could in fact be Black Cloak Envoy. Later, they begin investigating another case, but more importantly than that, Chief Zhao is reflecting on all of the interactions he's had with Shen Wei up until this point and realizing more and more that it's likely that Shen Wei is the Black Cloak Envoy. And he's understandably upset because I guess he feels like Shen Wei's been lying to him all this time. But really, how could Shen Wei have confessed to him that he is <laughs> who he is? I mean, that's not something you would just say to someone. And especially, they've just now been working together, really not for that long. And that's a pretty big secret that you're expecting him to just tell you when really you're just trying to build a, f a little bit of a friendship, telling you what might have jeopardized that friendship. And we know Shen Wei is having these flashbacks to when they first met probably hundreds of years ago. So someone who he just re-met again, whether it's through reincarnation or, or through some explanation he doesn't really know, he doesn't really want to jeopardize that. And episodes 12 and 13, Chief Zhao is still upset about this. It shows in his interactions with Shen Wei, he's kind of like goading him, trying to get him to admit to who he is until... Finally, they're working a case and he, Shiv Chao gets taken hostage and Shen Wei has to expose who he is. Finally has to expose who he is and confirm that he is Black Cloak Envoy. This is going on through episodes 12 and 13. And 14, all the way through 14, Chief Zhao is understandably, uh, he's less upset than you might think. Just because I think he's feeling somewhat relieved that finally the truth has come out. He's relieved Shen Wei, though, is not so much relieved because now it just throws into the air, like, how is their relationship going to change? And also, he was kind of keeping things secret because he thinks that Chief Xiao knowing might en endanger him if he knows the truth. But now the truth is out and Chief Xiao wants to know why he didn't tell him. And Shen Wei still doesn't want to answer. He's still keeping secrets. But it's clear to Chief Xiao, at least, that he wants to protect him in some way. He just doesn't know why Shen Wei or Black Cloak Envoy is so protective of him. And even when he asks him, him questions, he just, Shen Wei just kind of diverts the conversation and still doesn't really answer. But now that Chief Xiao knows the truth, he gets Shen Wei to finally, finally join the special investigation unit. So he's happy about that, at least. When he goes to introduce or to reintroduce Shen Wei to the higher-ups, who Shen Wei already knows one of them because he actually saved him um, in a previous episode, or episode 13, I think it was. So they're happy to have him on board, but they also happen to meet up with um, Go's uncle, who afterwards, they're all having dinner together. Go also comes to the dinner, and it comes up during the dinner that Go's uncle is not the one who transferred him to the special investigation unit. When he joins the special investigation unit, Chief Xiao's like, we have to accept him because he is the nephew of an important person. But actually, now it turns out uncle did not know. He's not the one who transferred him. So now there's kind of a mystery behind that. Who was the one who had enough power and why 
would they transfer Go to the Special Investigation Unit? They've also got a big problem now because there is a paparazzi who is following them, who's become interested in the Special Investigations Unit and is following them and also is a hacker as well. And so he keeps trying to find out things about them. And remember that banner that Chief Zhao gave to the professor in a previous episode as a gift that really had the camera in it? This paparazzi slash hacker has now exploited this camera and sees into the office and actually catches Shen Wei using his abilities. We do get to learn a little more about Shen Wei's abilities in this episode, or should I say ability without the S because that's one of the things we learn. Undergrounders only have one ability, but he seems to have various things he can do. Telekinesis, strength, you know, etc. And he explains to Chief Xiao, who asks him about this, that he only has one ability as well. His ability, though, is to learn other abilities. It actually immediately brings to mind for me um, Heroes. If you ever watched Heroes when it was on NBC, that was Peter's ability. Peter had the ability to, to take on someone else's ability, which I thought was pretty cool. Shen Wei, though, his ability is not limitless. He, as he says, is limited by dark energy. So basically, we've, we've seen him, if he's up on the surface for too long, he really can't just use his ability forever. He does get weaker, which if I'm remembering heroes correctly, it's been a really long time. That was not an issue Peter had. Peter had the problem of having too much power. I just remember at the end of season one, them thinking that he might even explode with all of the power that was in his body. So Shen Wei doesn't face that problem. Towards the end of episode 15, they get a visit from the regent, who we had heard of before but had not seen. And he came up, the black robe envoy, black cloak envoy, sorry, is looking for the registry of undergrounders and finds out from regent that it has gone missing. And this is very important because this lists all the undergrounders and their abilities. So obviously if it gets into the wrong hands, it can be a really bad thing. So to investigate this, Shen Wei is going to need to go back to to the monarch, monarchy. And along with him, he takes Chief Xiao. Chief Xiao wants to go. Shen Wei really doesn't want to take him because it's a scary place. There's dark energy there, but Chief Xiao insists. And so that pretty much all happens at the end of episode 15. They make the trip down to the underground and he gets to see black cloak envoy in his element the relationship and personalities between these two is really quite interesting to me i know that this show is based off of a novel but i've i never read it so i'm not sure how much of their personality has changed from the original text but shen wei's character even though he's so powerful is like a very hesitant as a human he's a very hesitant type of person he changes a lot when he acts in his role as black cloak envoy but as a human he's very hesitant and Chief Xiao's like a little more outgoing, so it's interesting to see that dynamic between them. Even at one point, Chief Xiao goes to touch his hand, he kind of, Shen Wei kind of pulls back. Like he's really afraid of getting close to him, which is so interesting in someone who is that powerful as he is. So lastly, I'm going to talk about the K-drama Hello Me. This is a 2021 drama. You can find it on Netflix. There were 16 episodes. And I'll just read off what it says on my drama list. Banhani is a single 37-year-old woman who's generally servile and timid. 
holding only a temporary position at her work. She's fearful of being let go at any moment. Considering her lack of security, she does not want to remain single. One day, the 17-year-old version of herself travels from the past to meet her current self. The 17-year-old Hani is totally different from who she had become, as the younger Hani is bright and optimistic. Now, that's pretty much the story, although <laughs> there's a little more or a lot more to it than that. First of all, I will admit to being... I'm not going to get into too much detail, I guess, here, because... I'm not extending it out longer like I do with the other series. I'm going to talk about the series as a whole. I am biased when it comes to Choi Kang-hee, who plays adult Bon Hani. I think she's an underrated actress, and I pretty much try to check out anything that I see she's going to be in. Even if I don't finish watching whatever it is, I at least try to check it out. So, of course, when I was flipping through Netflix and saw her face on the screen, I decided to check out this show. And... I'm glad I did. It's a very touching show. It also has comedic elements to it. That makes it the perfect thing for Choi Kang-hee because this is the kind of thing that she excels in. She's kind of a girl next door. She's 37, but she's kind of a girl next door. Vulnerable, but at the same time does well in comedies as well as in very serious touching moments. And this drama has all of that together. Bon Hani... The younger Banhani, who has traveled to the future, to her future, it's our present day, does not understand what has happened to her future self, why she has changed so much. We know what has happened. It's, it's not a big secret in the show or anything. Her father was killed when she was 17 years old, trying to save her life. Obviously, this was a big trauma for her, and it turned someone who had a very bright outlook on her future into someone who was just sad and regretful about what happened and feeling sorry towards her family that they lost their father and husband. From everything we see there, he was just a wonderful person. The whole family was a wonderful family. Mom is great. Banhani was a typical teenager who you know, liked music, had had thoughts about what she wanted to do with, with her future, and in one instant, that all changed. I think this show, in some ways, is geared towards an older audience. By older, I don't mean like 70s. I just mean someone who's had maybe a little bit of life experience, work experience, etc. A few years under their belt where they look back and see if they had made different decisions, if things had turned out differently, how would their life be different? Banhani isn't necessarily doing that. She's not necessarily looking back, but she's just been kind of muddling through life, just trying to survive. But when she meets her younger self, she starts to rediscover all those things about herself that she had lost along the way. This show for me also had a really interesting set of supporting roles. There were no, well, there was one bad guy sort of here. But other than that, there were no real bad guys, just people who had kind of lost their way and had to find themselves again. And one person who, our main male lead, who the character's name is Han Hyu Hyun, who it's funny, the, in the very first episode, I did really did not know what to make of him. He was very goofy. He is the son of a, of a wealthy family. He's just kind of meandering through life, not really settling down on anything. And by the end, I really liked him. He was just a good guy. 
And he and Hani really help each other. They really become a support for each other through the show. And I really love that. If you're looking for romance, you're not really going to find it here. It's not a lot of romance. This is all about people finding themselves, learning themselves again, growing, and just rediscovering those things they had left behind. There is a little bit of romance, but it comes very late in the show, and it's not the focus of the relationship. Really, it's about friendship. It's about finding new friends and reconnecting with old friends, including yourself, being a friend to yourself. Not all of the threads of the story were ones that I particularly enjoyed. There is a whole thread with a character named Arthur, who was actually an old schoolmate of Banhani's. I admit I wasn't too into that one. I kind of skipped around a little bit when it came to that. But he's also someone who is having to find his old self. And sometimes finding yourself means finding out things that weren't that great that you had done as well. But that's okay. It's all about growth. I think this is definitely a drama worth checking out. It's, I think, underrated. I don't see many people talking about it. I think it looks, it has an eight, I think, on the, um, on my drama list, but I, I enjoyed it. I didn't enjoy everything about it. Like I said, the Arthur storyline, I kind of skipped around with that, but Bonhani with her younger self, that was a really good storyline. The friendship she developed with the male lead was wonderful. His rediscovering of his relationship with the dad was also great. And there's another character here. I won't say who it is because I don't want to spoil it too much, but who I absolutely loved his character. And it made me afraid for a moment when it when it seemed like the character was going one way and then it didn't. And I cannot tell you how relieved I was because I had loved this character from the beginning and I was so scared that I was going to wind up disliking him. And I'm just glad it didn't happen. You may need to have tissues handy at some point. I'm not necessarily that much of a crier, but I did get teary-eyed in several um, parts in this drama and in other parts just laughed out loud. And it's to be expected. That's the wonderful thing with this actress that this is the kind of thing she's good at delivering and she's delivered it here as well. So if you're looking for an underrated drama to check out, you can check this out. Hello Me on Netflix. All right, that's the end of episode 11. Thank you so much for joining me and stay safe, everyone.